Okay. Well, anyway, it was a year ago that we were here, and uh, a lot's happened in a year. So we're going to share a little bit about uh, the work, and so we want to just shoot up this video real quick so you can kind of get a, an idea of what we do. first. Um, well, I just have a lot of memories tied up in this church, and I remember, I don't know what room this is now. Is this still a prayer room in here? This was a prayer room, and 22 um, or 23 years ago, um, twice a week, I was in this room with a group of people, and we were praying, and we would start like at nine, and it was so incredible that we would end up around 12 o'clock and we were still going. It was an incredible time of prayer and one of a, uh, just a pivotal point of my life in that prayer room because in that prayer room, all of this was birthed. I mean, we were um, carrying a vision for many years and we were first Romanian. We were in Romania and we met Del, Del Barnes in Romania and we met um, the Irbys in Romania. And uh, when we came back uh, to the United States in a transition period, we were actually resting in Florida. Someone had opened up a home for us to take a, just a couple of months to rest and kind of recuperate from our time in Romania. And we were saying, God, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? We had this invitation to go into Siberia, which I'm really glad we didn't do, but we were heading that direction. And then we had another invitation to go down into Venezuela, which we did go in for a couple of, uh, for a couple of weeks. We went down and ministered in Venezuela. And we kept saying, God, what are we supposed to do? What's the next step? And we get a phone call from Brother Dale, 
And Brother Dell says, I just feel from the Lord, we're about to have a prophetic presbytery. And at this time, we, we had visited this church, but it wasn't our home church. And, and, um, and he said, I, I, want, I want you you guys to fly up to Oklahoma for this prophetic presbytery. I guess that's how you say it. Yeah. And so um, we, uh, we were praying, God, what are we supposed to do? And, and we're sitting in an IHOP in Florida and and I, I was saying to Bill, what are we, are we supposed to go up to Oklahoma? We're supposed to do. And about that time, a U-Haul goes by the window there and the, and it says, Oklahoma. And I said, Bill, I think we're supposed to go to Oklahoma. And so we, we, uh, we come up to Oklahoma and we're on this, this platform here and they had put the, the prophets, the men that they had called in to do the, the prophetic ministry that actually been in a motel room. They didn't want them to know anything about any of us. And, and we, um, then they called us little by little, they called different people forward to pray and they started praying for us. And when they started praying for us, they said, church, these are your missionaries. I don't know if you guys remember that. And missionaries, these are this is your church, and there was such a prophetic word that we were to base ourselves from here, and so um, through just a very short period of time, we came here. The Lord, we came here with nothing because we had been on the mission field and um, in Eastern Europe, and when we came back, we had nothing. And um, at that time, uh, the uh, precious lady in the church opened up an apartment to us, and this church took us in. And like I said, we began to pray. What was the next step? And then through the ministry down into, um, um, we have the cross ministries down in northern Mexico, or yeah, down in northern Mexico, um, we were invited to preach there and to teach for a period of time. And so in and out there for about two years, and we go in, um, and at some points we were training missionaries, and then other points we were working with the pastors there. A lot of cool things happened. And from that point, we were called down into Chiapas, which is in um, the nor- the south of Mexico, right next to the Guatemalan border, for those of you that don't know us. And uh, I think we're about uh, two and a half hours from Guatemala on the Pacific coastline. And um, and I, I just had this memory again this morning. I was thinking of it. Do you remember, you know, Sam Gunther, um, we didn't have the, we didn't have the, what, every, everything we needed to get down to Mexico, the down to, to southern Mexico, and we kept saying, Lord, we need a car, we need a car, we don't have a car to get us there, and and we have never, and those of you that know us very well, we're very careful about not asking, we're not moochinaries, as Bill says, we're missionaries, and so we didn't make our, our needs really known, we were just praying and asking the Lord for a car, and all of a sudden, Sam calls and he says, I need you to go um, check this car out. And, um, and so Bill and I go and we drive this little, uh, red Isuzu rodeo. And I remember in this little car, I told Bill this morning, I was thinking, could God give us this, this little car? Could God really give us this little car? And, uh, and, um, I remember I said to Bill in the car, I didn't want to get my hopes up that we would actually be able to have this little used red Isuzu. And I, I asked him this morning, do you, I, I know that we had $2,000 and the car was four. And I said, I think that Sam paid for, for the rest of that car for us. And that was a little car we had. And, and when I, and I, I think I was so blessed 
And as we were leaving here, we didn't have enough money to get all the way down there. We didn't tell anybody that we didn't have enough, enough money. We had a commitment of about 400 to $500 a month. I can't remember. And, but that, what, what we needed to get all the way, to drive all the way down there, we didn't have. And everybody was waving. And, and, um, and, and we're going, yeah. <laughs> and I had prayed. And I said, Lord, we need a laptop. And we need the money to get all the way back down where we're going and um it's two and a half days from the border of texas down at the tip by brownsville and mcallen it's another two-day drive from there and so we're praying and i say god you know um we need a laptop we don't have enough money and we got to waco and in waco we had a futon mattress some one of you guys i don't know remember who donated a mattress to us and we rolled up that futon and stuck it in the back of that isuzu and we got down to Texas, and we had some friends that were in a little conference in Waco um, at the campground, Brother Dale at the campground there. And we stopped there. And um, just as we're leaving, everybody's going, adios. Well, not in Spanish. Goodbye. And so we go to get in the car. And just as we get in the car, this man runs up to us, and he says, the Lord said to give you this, and it was a brand new laptop. And he said, oh, no, by the way, you're supposed to take this, and it was $1,500. And so Bill and I made it to the border. And, and I remember the drive going down and thinking, what are we getting into? We, don't, we barely speak Spanish. Um, you know, we don't have contacts where we were going. Um, we we what is going to happen? God, what's going to happen? But there was this call. There was, we, we had missions in our heart. But I remember hearing spo- so specifically in this room that, that the Lord was about to do something amazing. And so we get, we get all the way down. It, ta- it took us a couple of days to get, to get down there. We went through 25 um, checkpoints because it was a military, uh, militarized zone during that time. There had been a lot of persecution, uh, persecution against the Christians, a lot of martyrdom in the state of Chiapas. If you ever get a chance to look online, you can research that. Um, the Catholics were killing the Protestants, and um, and it's not a Catholicism like what we might have in the states. It's completely different, and it's very mixed with the Mayan witchcraft and. And so there was a, just a whole lot of stuff going on. I remember people kept saying, be careful, don't, you're going to get um, kidnapped. And, and, and I, I, one time I took off my wedding rings, and, wedding rings and stuck them on my toes because I knew this guy was about to kidnap us and take us off and rob us. And, um, but we got down there, and then I, the reason I'm telling you this is because where we are is incredible. The faithfulness of God, the 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 wonder of it has it's been 22 years we have been in Chiapas for 22 years and um and it's just watching what two crazy gringos that don't don't speak Spanish don't under understand the culture but we trust God and when God calls God provides and God part of the provision isn't the fact that it's provision it's the fact that this is a stamp that God says I am in this I am on this you do not have to worry and when we got down there trying to establish a work cold turkey I mean just planting a work from from just trying to to, to reach out to people, to love on people, to serve. And I tell you what, any leadership starts in the service department. That's where it starts. It starts cleaning the toilets. It starts 
uh, getting into church and, and cleaning the floors and vacuuming. And I tell people who come to us all the time that want to serve in our beautiful church, I say, it begins in service. It begins in God sees the things that we are faithful to do, the small things. And then he rewards us and we begin to grow in authority. We begin to grow in, in the anointing of God because we're faithful with the little things. And over that time, what God did, and there's no time to tell it all to you now, but that what all he did from the very beginning, we, last week we baptized 16, 16 youth last week, we baptized 16. We were running 170 something in our home groups, in the cell groups last week. And I don't know how many conversions were coming out of the cell groups. Um, the Lord, we, we went down, he established the Bible school, then the church was birthed out of the Bible school. Out of that, the orphans begin to come. We've raised over 40-something children over the last few years. Our kids, some of them are doing really, really good, and some of them are just doing really, really bad. But we're standing in faith for all of them because I know that God put his hand, there are thousands of orphans, and he put his hand on those 48, 49 children for a reason and a purpose, and we stand in faith for them. After that, God began to give us the properties. He gave us this amazing house, which you know, the house in Arriaga. He gave us a ranch of over 200 and something acres. And I'm talking miracle. People that don't ask for money. People that stand in faith. And we paid cash on every single purchase without saying to anybody, give me, give me. Because God will finance what God is doing. And we, we spend so much time saying, I'm going to do this for God. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. What he needs you to do is to get involved with what he's doing. And when you get in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is doing, that is where the miraculous is birthed. It is the miraculous. We serve a miraculous God that wants to pour out his spirit upon us. It is, he is waiting for those that are, that are saying, here I am, God, do something. If you don't do something, God, I'm going to die. I am so hungry for your presence, so hungry for your move in my life. I know that I was created. I know that I was born for more than this. You have calling. I don't know how many times people come up to Bill and I and they say, what would we have done if you hadn't come? What would we have done? Our marriages were saved, or we were saved, or our children were saved, or we were healed. God did this miraculous thing. And it's not because of us. It's just because we answered. And I want to tell you, it was frightful. It was scary. Even sometimes when I think about all the responsibility that we have now, it scares me. I'm not supposed to confess that, but... I'm not perfected in love yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I just, I, I just wanted to, I had my daughter, one of our girls called about two weeks ago. No, it's been longer than that. Um, a couple of months ago, she called and she said, Mom, she's 25 now. And she's had a nominal walk with God. And, and she called and she'd had an encounter with the Lord. And she said, Mom, you've tried to tell me that it was like this. I never knew, Mom. I just never knew that it could be like this. I never knew, Mom, that he could be so real, that he could hear me, that I could hear his voice. Mom, I just can't hardly stand it. 
And that is the God that we serve. He speaks to his children. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal his heart and his purpose. I don't know. I'm preaching now, and I'm supposed to have his testimony. I never do good. We know that here, right? Those of you that know us. But I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that everything that you just saw there and so much more is just with two people that they're not very smart. You know, we're not very smart. We're, we don't have PhDs and DHSS or whatever. You, you know, we don't have those things. We just have faith and we trust God. And we take the next step and we keep persevering and we keep pushing forward. And then God does the miraculous. God does the miraculous. And I encourage you. I don't know where you are in your faith, but everybody needs a good shake-up every once in a while to say, you know, I don't care how old I am. I am not dead yet. And God has got a purpose and he's got a plan. And I'm not, he's not finished. He's not finished with me. Some of you guys are just getting started. And I want to tell you, it is an adventure, honey, walking with God. This is the greatest adventure, the most, wow, I wouldn't live any other way. As hard as it's been and as difficult as it is sometimes, this is the way to live. Get out on the edge. Put your toes over the edge and just say, Lord, if it's you, call me. Call me. If it's you, I'm coming out. I'm coming out, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to hold me up. God bless you guys. Well, I was sitting there this morning just thinking about um, what, what the Lord wanted to say to you. And that's kind of what the Lord wanted to say to you, <laughs> what she said. But I was thinking, how many of you guys came this morning with the expectation? Or you just came because it's Sunday and this is what we do on Sunday. I grew up in the church. I've been bored more times in the church than anything. I've slept in more services than I can remember. I can daydream, I've daydreamed more in this service than listen to the message. I know what it's like to be bored in church. God didn't call us to be bored in church. He didn't call us to do the thing. He called us to do the work. He called us to, to be the church. And if you're not, if you're not hungry... If your motivation for being here is just to do the thing, then I just want to tell you there's so much more. If you're not hungry, like she was saying, that, that you can say, God, I'll die if I have to go to another service and I don't see you manifested. If I don't see your power, if I don't see the manifestation of your presence, God, I, I don't like treading water. I don't like doing the thing. I, I just, there, if there's anything that you might know about me, I just hate faking anything. I just want honesty. And I think the generation, this Gen Zs, I think that's what they're hungry for. They want what's real. They've seen what's not real. They've heard people talk about God and Christianity. It's kind of like back in the, in the Jesus people movement. You remember? I mean, well, I, I was little. But, but, all of us, they just wanted the reality of a, of a loving God. 
And God did it. He visited them. It changed the generation, changed more than the generation. But I want to encourage you. I was reading some passages, and I think it's important that we use the Bible in the church. I don't know. Sound good? So I'm going to read some passages real quick. Too quick. Acts 10, 37 through 38 says, You yourself know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I want to ask you, is the devil still oppressing people? What is the position of the church then? What did Jesus do? He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Therefore, the church needs to go about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. How many believe that demons still exist? They didn't check out after Jesus went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came and they just kind of sit down and wait till the end. The demonic exists. One third of Christ's ministry was casting out devils. When was the last time you've seen a deliverance? When was the last time you participated in a deliverance? That is the church's job. I, I, I really want to encourage you. <laughs> I really want to shake you. I really want you to understand you were born again for more than what you're living. Do you know the Bible says Jesus is the door. What is the door except an access point to the rest of the house? Many of us have gone through the door and we're hanging out in the lobby. We're waiting for eternity to come when eternity's here. We've gone through the door and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is inviting us. Hey, come look in this room. Come check this out. Well, well, I'm born again. No, no, but there's so much more than, than speaking in tongues when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's awesome to speak in tongues. But it's even more awesome to do the work of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome to heal the sick. It's awesome. Oh, Jesus, help me one day raise the dead. I want to. I've tried it when I worked at the funeral home. I failed, but I tried. <laughs> at least I tried. What have you done? <laughs> Jesus went about doing good and healing all. Can you say that? All. all. He healed all. Is he any less in you? So what would happen if someone's up here being ministered to and all of a sudden they fall down with a heart attack and the pastor says, brother, come up here, pray for him. He needs to be healed. Uh, well, I didn't fast. You just don't know my thoughts. And so we disqualify ourselves from being used of the Holy Spirit because we don't think we're worthy when he has already made us worthy. See, it's not about what you qualify for. It's who you are and who he's made you to be and what he wants to do through you. It says in Acts 1.1, in the first book, O Theophilus, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You see the order there? To do and to teach. To show and then tell. The church needs to operate in the same manner. We are to do the works of Jesus and then teach them. That's how we make disciples. We take people along with us when we pray for the sick. When they get healed, we say, now, let me show you what the word says. Let me teach you how to do the the works. So if we're following the pattern of Christ, it says all the things that he did and taught. So much of what we find in the church today, and we're always struggling against that, is that we're just teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. We have huge heads and little bitty bodies. We just kind of, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But God is calling us to take that information and put it into action. So I want to challenge you with all of the teachings that you've heard over the years. And that the Lord has touched you and made it real to you. Do something with it. This is not about living a theoretical Christianity. This is about living a lifestyle where Jesus is manifested through you. You know, it's the weirdest thing. We've actually created these superstar Christians because they have gifts. Is the Holy Spirit in you any different than the Holy Spirit in them? Do you not have gifts of the Holy Spirit? Hello? Have you been baptized in the Spirit? Raise your hand. I'm going to see your hand. Have you been filled with the Spirit? Then you have gifts of the Spirit. But you need to operate in them. You need to take the risk. You need to step out. Because really it is a risk when you don't know what's about to happen. You know, words of knowledge. People think, oh, it's just so cool. No, it's kind of risky. I mean, I remember the first time I gave a word of knowledge using someone's name. You know, and you don't know if there's... Now, if I said, and the Lord gave me the name John, okay, Or Bill. Yeah, right. (laughs) There's someone here who's bald. I don't know. Yeah, that's not excellent. That's just. But it is risky to step out there and say, I I feel like the Lord's gave me a word. And you put it out there and then you're waiting. Okay, Lord, please let him stand up. It happened to me in Mexico. The Lord gave me the name of a, a girl named Ceci. And I said it, I said, someone's here, and I had this word, nobody stood up. Okay, well, we just keep practicing. At the end of the service, she comes up and she goes, I was embarrassed. (laughs) Gee, so was I. (laughs) I get on to the people, I said, look, I have a word of knowledge right now, and if it's you, you better come up here. Because the church needs to know that God is, is involved. <laughs> but I want to I exhort you. You have gifts. And sometimes because we're afraid of making a mistake, we don't try. Did you learn to ride the bike the first time you got on? No, you probably still have scars. But you kept riding until one day, man, you were cruising everywhere. That's the way we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. 
Do you know all the stuff that you saw up there? They're just tools for us to reach people. Because in a hundred years, who knows what all that stuff will look like? In a hundred years, who knows what this will look like? But what's important is what did it do? How did it, it work for the kingdom? Ah. You know, we, we've got this concept that the pastor and the elders, that's their job. No, I'm sorry, it's not their job to do the work of the ministry. It says clearly in Ephesians, he gave fivefold ministry. Apostle, apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, whose work is it? The saints. My job is just to inform you, teach you, help you do the work. Because that's the only way we're going to reach the world. Is if you, every one of you is doing the work. Every one of you understands your place in this body. And how important you are. You're really important. You have something that nobody else offers. You have something unique that God has designed and put in you that nobody else can do. Do you know who William Booth was? Okay, brother, you can cut me off any time. You guys, you can go, I want to eat. The Lord of my stomach is speaking. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And when he founded it, it was a dynamic um, ministry. I mean, they were a street ministry in England. They would convert like old tavern bar songs into Christian songs, and they would sing them on the street, and they had, I mean, just, if you can ever read the book called Generals Next to God, it's amazing. It's about their story, him and his wife, William and Catherine, and how they gave their life. Well, he prophesied this, quote, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. We are in that generation. We have churches that can have meetings and the Holy Ghost is nowhere to be found. He's not even a visitor and they don't miss him. Power is important in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ. What marks us, what makes us different besides love is power. Because if I can convince you to be born again, someone else can convince you not to be. But if I can show you by power that my God is real, it changes everything. Changes everything. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, he, he gives a whole list of things that will happen. It says in the, par in the last days, perilous, perilous times will come. And he lists all the things that will happen. And the very last, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. This is what you should do, it says. From such, turn away. Having a form of godliness, but denying what? The power. Because the power is what makes the difference. Jesus went about doing good and healing by the power of the Holy Ghost all 
those who are oppressed of the devil. Okay. Last verse, last passage. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That is what you are called to do. That is not for superstars. That is for the body of Christ. If you have hands, you can pray for the sick. If you have a mouth, you can pray for the sick. If you have feet, you can go do the same. You have no excuse Because the Christ that lives in you is the same Christ that was in Paul and Peter and all the great men of God. It's the same Jesus. You don't have a little Jesus. And they had a big Jesus. No, you have Jesus. I want to encourage you, when you leave this place today, leave different. Leave I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to seek you like the woman with the issue of blood who wouldn't relent. She pushed and she pushed and it didn't matter. She was considered unclean. And it didn't matter. She didn't care. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what everyone is telling me that I don't have access to the Lord. You have access. Push in. Don't just settle. You have a whole university of international students and national students that need Jesus. Why do we wait for them to come when he already told us to go? Unless the Lord has called you to stay, Keith Green said, he already told you to go. That is our call. And on that note, did I box your ears enough? I love you guys. <laughs> love you, love you. Now let's do an experiment, how about? The Holy Spirit is here because he promised. It's not about how you feel. He is here. So right now we're going to ask the Lord, we're going to ask him to to do something. We're going to ask him to manifest his presence, whether it's a, a gift that you have, a gift that I have or Tammy has. But can you do that? Let's just relax, tell our stomachs to be quiet for a little while. Close your eyes, focus on Jesus, and you just say, Lord, is there something you want to do through me? Father God, I just ask you right now, by the power of your spirit, would you manifest yourself in this place? We love you. We want more of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't be in a hurry. Just let him speak to you. We hunger for you, Jesus.
I have this sense that there's this person that you're here and you know inside that you have strayed from the Lord. I know this could mean many people, but this is a very specific. You've strayed from the Lord, but people don't know it. It's clandestine. It's hidden. And in your mind, you've said, I've gone too far. I don't know that I could ever or that he could ever forgive me. The word strayed came to me when I was sitting, but not lost. You've walked a thousand steps away from Jesus, and he's one step behind you. He just says, turn around. Turn around. I'm there. I love you. I've seen what you've done. I paid for what you've done. Come to me. Come to me. I saw in big letters the word hopeless. Hopeless. You have an internal conversation from the moment you wake up in the morning till you go go to sleep at night. You have a sense of hopelessness over you. And I'm telling you that is an assignment of the demonic that is on you. And you've been trying to fight against it with your own strength, with your own carnal forces. And that you need to understand it is a lie. And the only way we fight the lie is with the truth. If that's you, would you just stand up? I just want to pray for you. You've sensed this heavy hopelessness. Come up here, brother. If there's someone else too, come on up. Can I get someone to help me? You just feel like the Lord wants to use you with these men. Amen. Amen. Just proclaim over them what's true. Proclaim over them what the Lord says about them. If you're that person that's walked, that you feel like you've strayed, Now remember, this isn't just passive, guys. You need to receive it. I just rebuke hopelessness in Jesus' name. I just rebuke you, spirit of hopelessness, right now. Spirit of depression, you have to go right now in Jesus' name. You have to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come, Lord. We break all depression in Jesus' name, all hopelessness. Father God, you are the solution. You are the, the remedio, Señor.
Father God, from the sole of his feet to the top of his head, I pray even now, God, a baptism of your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Shura um, I just, what I saw was a person on a unicycle, and they were, you know, a unicycle isn't made for going very far, it's more just for doing tricks or staying in balance, and I felt, as I kept contemplating that, that the Lord spoke to me that there was people, there was more than one person here where you had been hurt in a church before, and so you prefer to try to go it alone, but you can't advance, because um, you're trying to keep your own balance, you're trying to do your own thing, but we're a body of Christ. And yes, we get hurt in church, and those are opportunities for us to put into practice the things that we're supposed to do. And God is calling you to be a part of the body, and you're not going to advance as long as you just try to do it all on your own. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to let anybody in. I'm just going to stay on top of my bicycle, do my thing, but you're not advancing. And God wants you to advance in the things of God. He wants you to move forward. So I don't know if if that's somebody here and you feel that you can take that step of faith. um, I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. A bit risky. Um, Earlier, I heard the name Samantha. Um, like I said, it's risky because I have no idea if that person's here. If you relate to somebody named Samantha, because often if, if, if it's the name of a person that, you know, it could be that that's the name, that's the person that you need to minister to. Okay. Samantha, this is the word that the Lord gave me for Samantha. So if you know someone, do you know someone named Samantha? Somebody? Please help me here. <laughs> okay, if you don't know anybody. Anyway, I'm going to tell you because it could be during the wait. Oh. Oh, sorry. I didn't know that. Okay, if you're watching. Whew, thanks, Lord. <laughs> okay, Samantha. I had the image of splintering. Of, of something. This was a relationship that had splintered. And brought real destruction to your life. And that that just like a splinter would infect you. You've allowed that, that, that pain. You've allowed that situation to begin to fester in you. And it's actually bringing destruction to your own life. And the Lord wants to heal you and deliver you of, of that, that splintering, that woundedness. So if somebody is watching this, we just pray for you right now that God would just deliver you from that woundedness and this could apply to anyone you know it's not always that that it has to be just that person that if you've had you've been in a relationship and it it was such a ripping and a splintering that it left the wounds the lord wants to heal you now i'm going to ask you did any of you get something that you want to share remember this isn't about the guy standing up this is about the body come up God's faithful. I come to prayer before church every Sunday, and I'm sitting in prayer this Sunday saying, Lord, let your presence be thick here. Let your presence be thick that people that are wounded 
mentally and emotionally. It don't, it's not all about physical. You got more mentally and emotionally wounded people than you got physical. And I prayed, let something happen that those people will get up and come forth and get healed. Look what he did. God is faithful. People, we can't come to church Sunday after Sunday and sit here with our hurts and our pains and all this garbage and go home the same way. We ought to get up. Get off your butt. I'm sorry. And come up when the Lord says, Here, let me help you. Let me help you. Don't be embarrassed. We're all human. We've all messed up. I've worn out forgiveness 77 times a day. But just... God answered my prayer. Amen. Thanks for praying praying that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody else? So, as most of you know, I've been um, doing missions lately. And um, I just recently got back uh, on uh, Wednesday. And so I haven't had a bit of rest since I've been back. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to go to church today. And so last night I was like, God, if you want me to go to church, make sure I'm awake. (laughs) So I woke up at (laughs) 7. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I came today, and it was wonderful to be here and hear what these people had to say. And uh, it was just a real encouragement to me with what I've been trying to explore with the Lord. And so just, you know, throw it out there to the Lord. Even if it's a half-hearted, you know, throwing it out there, you know, just make sure I'm awake. He'll answer it if it's if it's his call for you. So I just wanted to encourage you all with that. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh. I saw a picture. Of, it went along with what she said. I saw a picture, and I was sitting in congregation, and there was... Uh, I could see people seated, but it was really, really dim. There was like smoke or some kind of uh, cloud or something. And don't let that smoke keep you from doing what God's telling you to do. It's not worth it to sit in those seats and do nothing when you know God's telling you something. Be sure you listen to what he says. And remember, just take... Take baby steps. Take baby steps today. If, if you've never um, tried to do it, just if you, you know, like most Christians are going to go out to eat, okay? Just take a baby step. You know, say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this place? If, if it's give a really good tip to the waitress, okay. But do something that will initiate your, your ability to hear and respond and take that risk. Because in doing that, you'll get better at it. Um, I may have shared this, but I don't think that all of you have been here when I was sharing it. A couple of years ago, I had asked the Lord. We were about to celebrate an anniversary. And and just through a series of events, I'd asked the Lord. I said, God, someday can we go to Alaska? And um, and about two weeks later, someone called and said, hey, how would you like to go to Alaska? We want to pay for the trip. We'll pay for the cruise. We're going to pay for the, the airfare. And it was amazing. It was because if we'd have gone, it would, it would have been the cheapest boat in the, but they, it would have been rowing the boat. And, um, and they just, they did, they just blessed us. And as we were leaving Vancouver, I was in the hotel and I said, Lord, I'm so grateful. Is there anything you want to do through me today? I want to have my antennas out. 
if you just want to do anything through me. So when we got down to uh, put our bags onto the shuttle and say goodbye to our friends, well, um, as we got on the shuttle, I noticed a woman and she was kind of bent over a little bit and um, having a hard time getting on the shuttle. So when we got off of the shuttle, I said um, Bill was getting our baggage and stuff, and she was she and our, a young man were standing beside the, the road there, and I said, are you okay? And she said, I just had an accident, and I fell over the handlebars of a mountain bike, and I have a long trip, and I'm really hurting. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can pray for me. But I think she thought I was going to go home and pray for her, not in the middle of the street with all of the traffic. And so I just laid hands on her and started proclaiming the healing virtue of the Lord would flow through her. And we were moving all so fast and everything. So they, she said, thank you, and probably thought I was a nutcase. And, and so, but we leave, and it's, it's about two hours before our flight takes off. And we go to get our tickets, and... And Bill said, well, we didn't pay for anything, and our tickets are kind of, we weren't setting together or something. He said, we'll change, and we'll get two aisle seats. And it was like about $30 to change our seats up. And and um, so we wait around in Vancouver. Those of you that know, it's a huge international airport, lots of traffic. And and um, so we go to get on our plane finally, and we get our, our two seats, our aisle seats, and I'm sitting there. And when I look up, and we're flying to Mexico City, so I look up, and when I do, the woman that I've prayed for in the middle of the street is walking down the aisle. And she and her, and her son, it later turned out to be it was her son, um, they were looking at their tickets. And then they, she looked at me, and her eyes got about that big, and she looked at her ticket, and she looked at me again. And I had two seats available beside me. And she said, those are our seats. And... um. And I'm going, oh, God, don't let me blow this. I know you're doing something. And so they both slide in beside of me, and they're both still, they're not quite sure what to do with me. They kind of lean over a little bit. And and I finally looked at them, and I said, you know, this isn't a coincidence. And um, I said, we changed our seats. And the, the guy says to me, but you don't understand. We changed our seats, too. And, and their seats had been separated, and because his mom wasn't feeling good, he wanted to sit next to her, and so they changed. And I had them hemmed in for from Vancouver, Canada to Mexico City. They couldn't go to the bathroom without my permission. And, and, so, and, and so during this time, I'm saying, Lord, show me what to do. And I just started talking to him and sharing them about our life. And she cried pretty much from... Vancouver to Mexico City. The Holy Spirit was all over that woman, and I had a chance to pray with them and minister to them. And this is exciting, serving God. That is just one of a one day, but when we have our antennas out, God wants to do things supernatural and and powerful things. Okay, we've talked too much. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we're done. So the last thing: don't limit God by who you think you are. Allow him to do what he wants to do because he he knows who you are. And he made you that way. Amen? Amen.